Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network, powered by Clue, a podcast for product marketers and compete professionals looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today is the final episode from our Summer Scottsdale series, where we went to skip live in person in Scottsdale and talk to some of the best brains in compete and to close everything out i was joined by none other than ben schultz the senior manager of competitive strategy at palo alto networks earlier in the series we had elise join us from palo alto and now we're closing out with ben who settles the contentious ihop versus waffle house debate if you didn't listen to my conversation with elise there is one heck of a Waffle House story that you need to tune into. In fact, if you haven't listened to or watched the episodes on our YouTube account on Clue, go check them out because we filmed these on location in our beautiful villa in Scottsdale. It was a great time. And so check out all of the episodes and interviews we did with folks there. This one is a little bit shorter and sweeter, but there's still a bunch of nuggets to take away from the conversation nonetheless. And with that all said, let's get into our chat with Ben, the Senior Manager of Competitive Strategy at Palo Alto Networks. Ben, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. We just had Elise on. Now we have you on. Can you match her hot takes? Oh, absolutely not, but I'll give it a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was your path actually into Compete? We were just talking with Claire and she said you had an unconventional journey into into competitive intel yeah absolutely i had no idea what ci was uh until about 10 years ago so i started my journey as a defense contractor got uh, morphed into security and then they closed that building and then i ended up at target in their security operations center so i've used a lot of security products up until this point and i saw some weirdness at target going on so i'm like eh, i should move on so i actually knew elise from a separate career path. She was my mentor and a senior project at my college. So I called her up and I said, do you got anything over there? Cause I knew she was at a security company. And she said, yeah, you want to try CI? Well, quick Google search, what the hell is CI? I'm like, oh, uh, okay. It seems like a way that I could influence products. And I've used a lot of shitty products in my days as a practitioner. So why not? Let's go. So uh, interviewed, did a project on digital SLR cameras, I had to compare the market and see, you know, how do they stack up? Which one did I buy? And I was grilled by some of her other employees and they're like, this guy knows his stuff. He can do analysis and all that. And why not? And he knows the security industry. So flash forward 10 years later and here I am. So along those 10 years, there's, as we asked Elise at the end there, what was your biggest mistake and what you learned? What What's yours over these 10 years? What's the biggest mistake or learning you've had from when you entered the profession to where you are today? Yeah, so probably my biggest mistake is being too passionate about the security products and failing to realize what my actual role should be as a competitive intelligence professional. So teaching those about the market, um, actually recommending actions and trying to persuade them to take that actions, being the storyteller. Instead, I failed to realize that and I gave the recommendations and I said, you should do this. And they didn't do it. And I took it to heart. I was pissed. Like I was hurt. I thought they should have listened to everything I said and they didn't. And I took it personally and I 
took that as a learning moment to say, okay, that's not my place. I'm not the decision maker. I'm here to give them the best information at the time for them to make the next decision. So it kind of shaped the way that I did my research and into telling them a broader story. So here's what you need to know now. Here's how it's going to impact it rather than just saying, do this. So big learning curve. How, how do you manage to kind of deal with that? Like in terms of, it must be so frustrating when you have a recommendation, but they don't follow the recommendation you put out there. Like, how do you, how do you handle that like internally? And how do you like not let that kind of bog you down with, with work? Well, I drink a lot of bourbon <laughs> that, that helps a little bit, but, um, just really, I, I use that as motivation to get the best intelligence possible, but I also leverage my experience as a previous practitioner to tell them how making that decision will impact the butts and seats. So if you make the person buying your product happy, they're going to renew your product. They're going to be a, a champion for your brand. So really working in that angle, instead of trying to drive home the point that thou shall do this, stepping back and saying, if you do this, then you know, you'll have a customer for life. So trying to drive that point home. So it's, it's still hard for me when you see it's like the person that knows the train's coming and you can see it <laughs> and you warn somebody and then they get squished. You're like, well, tough. Shit. <laughs> you got squished, but at least I tried to tell you. So it's kind of stepping away and saying I did the best that I could at the time. What is the biggest lesson you've learned from your career with Elise? Oh, man. Um, well, I'm an introvert. So <laughs> can you imagine an introvert working with Elise? Uh, kind of kind of step out of your shell sometimes there's a, a good opportunity to kind of let people know abrasively that no we can't do it this way and kind of push them a little more so she's actually pushed me into stepping out of my shell um doing public speaking and all that kind of stuff so um i've spoken at three skip conferences simicon in berlin so and really good mentor moment of you know stepping outside your shell so you know kind of putting yourself out there being the loud voice in the room when you need to be but still being reserved they like to wait till the last second how how has that learning that lesson kind of knowing like having that ability now to speak up when you feel passionately about someone how has that impacted uh your like career and compete and how compete is like being perceived within an organization yeah so uh i think Kind of a it, it's a hybrid mix so being now that i'm managing people um i seem to get drawn to um introverts as well so kind of pushing them to step forward um i'm kind of in the competitive strategy role so looking at the product perspective from a more strategic path and i know elise doesn't like that strategic path sometimes so trying to roll that into you know, uh, here's the strategy and here's how we enable sellers by doing that competitive strategy research. So really pushing those folks to see both sides of the coin and then get out there in front of sales. So, you know, if we do competitive strategy research and we don't tell it to the sellers, it's like it's in a vacuum. So pushing my direct reports to kind of break the shell and go tell sales about it. And we like to sugarcoat things in battle cards and say we're awesome, but sales also needs to know our weaknesses. So that's where I push my folks to go out and say, okay, here's where we kind of fall flat and teach them about that. Kind of, kind of going full circle back to the butts and seats. The people need to know the negatives of your product. And that's, if I was a skeptical 
security operations center analyst, that's the question I would ask you immediately. Like, what do you suck at? So if you can't answer that question and the sales isn't enabled to do that, then you're kind of boned. Being the unbiased truth teller, if you had 10 minutes to to get up on stage tomorrow and talk in front of all of the all of the folks attending in telecom, what would your topic be? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I think there's a huge imposter syndrome in CI, and because uh, nobody really knows what they're doing. I don't think honestly, it's in, different in every single industry. Pharma, oil and gas, your your lead times are 10, 15 years, so you got a little leeway there. If I were to transplant you and throw you into high tech, you'd fail miserably. So we can get together as a team here at this conference and kind of share ideas. But at the end of the day, you go back in your seat and there's no cookie cutter approach to CI. So getting up there and saying, it's okay not to know what you're doing um, and really drive home the point that you can use as many tools as you want, but you need to, at the end of the day, do what's right for your company. So bring the tools together and find out what works best for your company. So working with what you've got and bringing in other vendors that can kind of help you get there. So not trying to roll your own. So for example, I work for a small startup. We use Google Sites and we used uh, RSS feeds from Google and it was a mess just to get the ball rolling. And then people are like, you're ineffective. Now what? So then you bring in other tools. But at the at that point, I had no idea what I was doing. I just did it to do it. Um, so you know, working with what you've got, but don't feel like you're failing. I think that's a big, thing that I would tell people just getting into it because I still have my moments where I feel like I have no idea what's going on. Wow. That is, I think that's a great way to end this conversation. That's a really, Oh, Oh, we've got uh, uh, for everyone listening. If you're not viewing this, we have our live audience as well for Ben and super fan. Pablo also has a question. Um, I have to lean in more. I have one question. So it's clear, I mean, the amazing relationship you have with Elise, you've worked with her in multiple companies. Um, I'd love to ask, what is the one thing that you go back and forth and you disagree on? Ooh, real Oprah Winfrey moment. Um, the importance of actually being in the C-suite. We actually did a co-presentation at a conference called Getting Your Head Out of the C-Suite. I think there's a time and place for that especially with strategy. So if you don't know where the C-suite's trying to steer the ship, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> but to her point, if you don't enable sales, you're also going to have a bad time. So there's this uh, violent disagreement, but I think we agree that you need both. But, you know, I kind of want to stick my head in the C-suite a little bit just to find out what's going on <laughs> and where they're trying to steer the ship. But that's one contention. Um, then, I mean, Waffle House versus IHOP. <laughs> Who is Waffle House? Waffle House is everything. But are you, like, Are you team Waffle House? I am team Waffle House. I'm team Waffle House. I was trying to, I was trying to create controversy. <laughs> you should have stir up drama for the content. He's a marketing man at heart. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Ben. And let's go have some fun at Intellicom. Thank you.
way the market looks today is not how it was yesterday. And spoiler alert, it'll be different tomorrow too. Hi, I'm Devin O'Rourke, founder and managing partner at Fluvio and the host of the Embracing Erosion podcast. On my show, we talk to product marketers, founders, investors, and go-to-market leaders to shine a light on what it takes to tackle difficult go-to-market challenges. How do you make decisions with speed and effectiveness? What makes for a great leader? And what are the most common go-to-market mistakes and how can you avoid them? Embracing erosion means embracing change, and you'll hear from some of the best in the business who know firsthand why embracing erosion is key to success. Join me, Devin O'Rourke, on the Embracing Erosion podcast, powered by the Compete Network. Thank you.